0: And now that we know that everything is working, you know what we're going to do, don't you? What we're going to do is we are going to inform these folks. We're going to actually hit uh, record on the video because the people at home, I, I trick them. I don't let them know how incompetent I am and let them see all this like, well, is the stream working stuff? I don't. Oh, wait, I did hit record. All right. Well, the video is recording. I've just ratted myself out. But now we are prepared to begin the show when I tell you that this is Surreal politiques. Stage 1, Episode 13, Defense of the State. On episode 13 of Surreal Politics, I'm the host of this thing. You might you might have gathered. Today is June 12, 2023. Is the current year. It's a pleasure to be with you this evening for an episode which I have titled "Defense of the State." Of course, there's plenty going on in the news, and there is, uh, of course, your phone calls, which are always among my favorite things to do. But I, uh, you know, one may or may not be shocked to learn that I actually still have uh, I actually still have some friends who call themselves anarchists. Not like the Molotov cocktail variety of anarchists, um, but rather the Murray Rothbard sort, if that rings a bell to any of you. Libertarians, uh, these are basically libertarians, they're liberty-oriented people, and they take their love of liberty to the ultimate extreme, which is to say that the state should not exist at all and should instead be replaced by a system of private law governed by property and contract. I once counted myself among these types, hence the prior existing relationships, but I was forced to reconsider my ideas largely as a consequence of immigration. And say what you will about the merit of those ideas that these people hold, one thing I have typically found is that most are anxious for the opportunity to discuss them, and they have, for the most part, been well trained on how to do this. They have a tendency to see themselves as the most rational of creatures. And to prove this to themselves and to others, their style of discussing politics tends to abide by predictable rules, which are nothing if not civil. I enjoy these conversations in part because they force their interlocutor to articulate points not often questioned, perhaps most notably the existence of the state itself. And though their perception, their self-perception anyway, is of the eminently rational, they also tend to be preoccupied with the concept of morality. They are driven, typically, by a desire to be good and decent people, and to operate in a fashion not entirely unbecoming a religious person, whether they happen to believe in God or not. Some of the features here described, perhaps obviously, are more universal than others, The sexual proclivities of some, of course, would be quite unbecoming to any recognizable religious faction, but that is a topic that I aim to address another day and not right now. And, of course, it is, uh, you know, by no means universal, importantly. Probe them long enough, these types of libertarians, and you will occasionally get them to admit that this property-based order looks a lot more like monarchy than anarchism. Essentially, one comes to conclude that this amounts to government by landlord. The property owner is king, and those who reside under his property are his subjects. Without the restraint of constitutions and little concern for democratic consequences, the range of potential outcomes borders on limitless, depending almost entirely upon the character of the property owner. And of course, this is not so much different from other forms of government, if you think about it. Give me just one second. These things always, like, right before the show, Um, my headphones are in one ear. Come on. What are you doing to me? Is that better? Why would I have headphones in one ear? Why would you drive me crazy like that? um, Well, there we go. Okay. That's a little bit better for me. No, but that's not good for you because now I'm – anyway. All right. So I tried. Oh, did that work? It did. Okay. Fantastic. So as I was saying, um. But even if they come to agree with this, that it's essentially government by landlord, they still say it is anarchism because, quote, there is no state. This gives way to conversations about what the state is and to what extent other forms of control may exist without deriving the title. If a person owns a great deal of land and has absolute dominion over those who live there, is that a state? Well, the answer may very well depend on who you're speaking with. And this conflict, of course, is by no means limited to your friendly neighborhood libertarian, sadly. Wh- wouldn't that be nice if the only people questioning the uh, the existence of the state, or its foundations in any case, were your friendly neighborhood libertarian? Then we would all be you know, much better off because the people questioning the capacity of the state would be fundamentally impotent and not a threat to your safety. <laughs> Among conservatives, it is a common feature to assert that the... Um, assert as fact that the role of government is this, that, or the other, that they they essentially think that it is the night watchman's state as a common parlance, A lean institution, minimally invasive, which springs into action only when what is seen as the natural order is disrupted by evildoers. Among leftists, the idea that some things fall outside of this role of government is preposterous conceptually. Though the phrasing may occasionally be invoked— Uh, in argument in order to advance a point, such is often the case when you're, you know, have the misfortune of speaking with leftists. They do not use words to convey sincere meaning so much as to manipulate circumstances toward their preferred outcomes. If you believe that the government has a specific role to play, then they will assert that the role is to redistribute wealth, but not to regulate sex, for example, unless, of course, they want the government to impose sex, in which case, of course, the government's supposed to get involved in our sex lives." all according to their perceived capacity to impose their will upon you. It has nothing to do with what would be seen as like a a coherent philosophy. It's not not the aim. In more tedious discussions, one may end up drawing what are at base arbitrary distinctions between the state and the government, or the state government, or the federal government, or the, the state and the nation, or the country, and these sorts of things. While these are worthy of contemplation when fine-tuning the system, they are of limited utility in defining the state as such. So before we go much further, let me clarify a point in my use of terms here. I will try to avoid the use of terms like nation today, which in my conception of things refers to a people usually categorized ethnically, which is, of course, fraught with peril to discuss in the fog of today's race hysteria in our politics. I will also try to avoid the term country, which is too vague and in my mind, tends to blur the lines between the people and the landmass and the government sort of they, they could all be defined by this term. The government might very well refer to the particular people running the state at the given moment. So, you know, you say the Biden administration is the current government, for example. And we will have a new government when Donald Trump goes in there and wipes all these uh, terrible people out. Sorry for the F. I didn't do it. I don't actually have to apologize, but you know what was going through my head. And so, uh, you know, that's my uh, this is my terminology here. And so I will make a modest effort to avoid the term government. Um, but of course, especially when we start taking your calls at 217-688-1433, I might fail at that. And we're just going to pretend that the government and the state are the same thing, unless the caller happens to care to differentiate, in which point we'll try to be more cautious. Um But we must go deeper than this even to begin. We must begin with a more fundamental term, to conceptualize what it means for a thing to be natural, okay? With notable exceptions, natural and good are largely interchangeable terms in politics, right? If one believes that inequality is inherent to man, that is to say, part of man's nature, then he sees no particular reason for the state to go about leveling people. If, on the other hand, one believes, or purports deceptively to believe, that all inequality of outcome is born of a capitalist conspiracy by white supremacist hetero-patriarchal oppressors to keep trans women of color from ruling the earth as they ought, then equality uh, is inequality Then is, in- is artificial and thus subject to state coercion. If one believes the state itself to be unnatural, you are almost certainly speaking to an anarchist. Thus, we might begin here. Short of resorting to religious doctrine— All things are natural within the boundaries of our observation, okay? The alternative would be that they are supernatural, okay? And whatever your view is about the supernatural, it is not typically within the boundaries of sense evidence. Sense evidence can only perceive natural phenomenon, and thus it stands to reason that by this standard, all that we observe, including the state, is of the natural world, by that narrow definition of the term. Even accepting this, of course, such a discussion would then seek out terms to define other deviations from perceived norms, right? Sometimes described as the natural order, say. Many would reasonably say that homosexuality is unnatural, and still more would say that transgenderism is most certainly unnatural. If one endeavored to give some credit to leftists, though not usually our specialty, we might say that man's impact on the environment is unnatural beyond a certain level, which of course they would deem to be borderline animalistic. And while most reasonable people would not from this stance conclude that man's existence must be deprived of electricity to be considered at one with the earth, many folks would say that, beyond a certain level, man's impact on the environment has the capacity to reach a level fairly described as destructive and may consider this to be unnatural. Beyond the pristine, untouched-by-man concept of nature, we might say that there is a concept of the natural order which could be described as untouched by modernity, Though this conception would necessarily differ from age to age as technologies are absorbed into our collective consciousness, and each generation, one after the other, shocked by the new and the frightening developments in technology and whatnot, remarks at how things used to be so much simpler, while the generation coming into these technologies marvels at how anybody ever got along without them. Notably, for me, the Commodore 128 made perfect sense, and the NVIDIA GPU has taken some adjustment, you might have noticed. One way to analyze a situation might be to see if the state or some behavior approximating it emerges in creatures other than man. To observe that it did not would not necessarily be to say that it was not natural to man, but it may aid our conception to explore things in this way. Though there may be a few, it would uh, be few indeed who would say that man's control over fire is an abomination, and yet man is the only creature we observe to perform this behavior, and so again... The fact that man alone does a thing does not make it wicked in any case. Similarly, if we determine that some animals eat dung or their own offspring, we do not conclude from this that it is man's nature to do so. All we are doing is seeking to know whether or not man is unique in this behavior, and we must make further analysis and judgments about values from there. As it turns out, behaviors closely approximating those of the state do emerge in non-humans. We will not have the opportunity today to thoroughly explore all of the examples, but within, a, uh, within all social creatures emerges um, what is sometimes known as a dominance hierarchy. Ants and bees, notably, have what uh, is known as, known as a queen, and the entire colony or hive works for her benefit, going so far as to die for her protection and her uh, provision. Nearly all do so with no potential prospects of reproducing as individuals. Notably, they need uh, be issued no instructions to perform this function, at least not in any way recognizable to us. There are scents and signals of various sorts, but um, none are ever observed to debate the subject. Their hierarchy is completely natural to them and goes literally without saying. Not entirely dissimilar, but still closer to man than the ant, is the meerkat. If you have never had the joy of wasting a day binge-watching episodes of Meerkat Manor, I am not saying that you should forfeit other opportunities in order to do this, but you might consider it if you happen to be flipping through the channel someday and see it on, uh, I don't know, National Geographic, whatever it is that goes on there. Should you do this, you will discover a surprisingly complex hierarchy, known as a gang, and governed by a dominant female— and whichever male she chooses to be the dominant male. So she is essentially the, uh, the dominant member of the group. She claims the exclusive right within that group to reproduce and picks from among the males whom she will honor with the prize of her reproductive powers. Should the dominant female discover that one of the other females is pregnant, there will be a fight, and in all likelihood, this female will be seeking a new home. This may or may not involve taking her mate with her, in which case they may start a gang of their own, but the male is not going to be made to pay child support, much less alimony, in this society. If the pregnancy is not discovered by the dominant female... My battery is running... hilarious. Do you guys hear my, my robot vacuum complaining about its battery? Um... Shut up, stupid thing. I, I can't believe you're doing this to me in the middle of a show. Don't you watch the damn thing? You know what I do. Don't you get my emails, robot? What good is a robot if it doesn't read my emails? If you if you get my emails, are you taking my emails out of your spam folder? Or are you doing that? You should be getting my emails. You should be signed up for my emails. Um, you can get them at ChristopherCampwell.net or SurrealPolitics.com. Um, you should probably do both, as a matter of fact, because you love me and you want to help me out. And so just sign up for both. And when you sign up for the emails, and then you get them, and then if they go in your spam folder, take them out and say, Hey, Google, stop putting it in the spam folder. That's very wrong of you to do, because this is definitely not spam. Inform them of that. It helps me, and it helps you, and it helps mankind. So, now that I am being rudely interrupted by my stupid robot, um, if the pregnancy is not discovered, the pregnant female may give birth to her pups, and she may even try to sneak them in with the pups of the dominant female— But should the dominant female figure this out, then the dominant female will kill those pups. Within the meerkat gang, all act in service to the breeding of the dominant couple. They help to raise the pups. They take turns babysitting. They stand guard and alert when there are threats. If the threat comes from the sky, they run and hide. If the threat comes from the ground, it is assessed. And if they collectively deem it appropriate, they mob the threat and chase it away, or at least attempt this. Sometimes... It may be another cat gang. Sometimes the threat doesn't want to run away, and if the rival gang is disinclined to run, then somebody is about to get hurt, possibly killed. Collectively, they teach the young to hunt for food until the young are able, uh, or until the young are adept at this, and until that happens. Um, the babysitters, the ones taking care of the dominant couple's uh, pups, they share their food with them. For the meerkat, this order is enforced by violence. We do not typically judge the meerkat to be an abomination, and so we might say this. To observe in man a hierarchy enforced by violence is not a behavior unique to man, and whatever the nature of man, we observe this in a creature by no definition deemed unnatural. We may also say that violent intraspecies group conflict are not unique to man, and that group responsibility in the care of raising children is neither unique. It might almost be seen as cheating at this point to talk about chimps who travel in what are known as troops. They, contra the meerkat, are governed by a dominant male. Like the meerkat female, he typically claims exclusive right to mate, but takes as he, and, um, and he takes as he will, unlike the um, dominant female of the meerkat gang, the dominant chimp will take as he will from the female. So just go around and say, hey, go, turn around. I'm going to come get it now, and she just, you know, that's how, that's how it goes. The ones he does not mate with are those that um, he is directly related to. He knows the difference, and he doesn't do that. Like the meerkat, if uh, two from the uh, two from the troop wish to mate in violation of the dominant male's will, then they will typically have to leave the troop and go about by themselves in what is known as a consort. That is, of course, unless the male in question wishes to challenge the dominant male. Heavy is the crown, so they say. And the alpha male of the group has no constitution behind which to hide. He does not stand for election or claim to be appointed by God. He could be overthrown by force, and should this happen, that is all the evidence the other chimps of the troop require to see legitimacy in their new master. And notably, it need not always be one chimp to challenge the uh, alpha male. A dominant male who abuses his position may well incur the wrath of his subjects, And they may gather together to depose or to kill him by force. And once this is accomplished, they will, in all likelihood, turn to battle one another for the ultimate prize of... Oh, I I wouldn't want to have to apologize for the F, so I will say with mating with all the females. Chimps, too, fight uh, other groups of chimps, often to the death. Chimps establish and patrol a perimeter, importantly, territory. They claim territory and defend it with force as a group. Other chimps test the perimeter, and if they are caught, they will likely be beaten to death by the patrolling troop. If the troop does a very bad job of patrolling their um, perimeter, then other male chimps will come in and steal the women and kill other chimps. And so we may observe from this another feature of the state in Creatures Other Than Man. Not only do we observe in other creatures a dominance hierarchy— Not only do we observe it uh, enforced by violence, but we observe it changing hands from time to time, and we observe this occurring through organized violence. When they are not overthrowing one another, they are on guard for outsiders. They claim a defined geographical area of their own, and they kill invaders. They do this through organized violence. These hierarchies, wherever they emerge, and they emerge in plenty more tribes, flocks, schools, groups, and other animal social units than these— are, by any meaningful definition of the world, natural to the creatures who exhibit these behaviors. Based on this information alone, we can at least say that man is not alone in the world as he organizes to claim and defend territory. He is not alone in establishing a hierarchy within his own group. He is not alone in using violence to enforce the terms of the hierarchy. He is not alone in altering that hierarchy by force when it suits his will. He is not alone in the masculine features of organized violence. He is not alone in sexual motivations behind his territorial claims. He is not alone in expecting others in the group to share for the good of the group. He is not alone in killing members of the group when they fail to live up to the standards of the group. As we mentioned earlier, it may well be said that man ought not behave like an animal. To this, we would raise no dispute. We do not posit that man ought to prevent his neighbor from raising a family, notably. We do not assert that violence need be the most prominent feature in human organizing. All we have here established is to demonstrate the outlines of a primal order common among many creatures, which approximates elements of the state. And while man is, strictly speaking, an animal, in that he is neither mineral nor vegetable, we do tend to consider ourselves, with some merit, a higher form of life. Depending on where you sit, this may amount to mere arrogance or self-interest. Perhaps you, like Larry Page, think it a form of RACISM to prefer your species over other forms of life, and perhaps you are still yet more foolish to think that RACISM is some kind of synonym for EVIL. These, of course, are questions of value, which any Austrian economist would insist, with some merit, are inherently subjective and thus not prone to analysis which might assign them the status of right or wrong. But that as it may be, we can say, with as much certitude as our perceptions permit, that what has made mankind the undisputed ruling species of this planet, what has placed us at the top of the food chain, is man's intellect. Though not evenly distributed, man's intellectual power sets him quite apart from all God's other creations. It has permitted him to believe, rightly or wrongly, that he is made in the image of God. It has allowed him to write this thought down, to pass this thought to others, to organize around this thought, to build boats with those so organized, to travel overseas in those boats, to wage war against those who disbelieve the idea, to impose this idea upon the conquered, and to do so over an entire foreign continent." And of course, once this mission is accomplished, it has allowed him to move on to the next continent and to do it again. And to be sure, some human groups have uh, done a better job of this than others, and without dispute, those who have are known to have had higher intellects than those whom they conquered. And this being the case, what hope could man have not to observe in his kind the capacity to accomplish more through organizing than he could as a lone scavenger in the wilderness. How could he help but notice, even if not by instinct, then merely by his observation of other creatures, that life, all life, in all cases, is governed by force? We have spoken at some length about what may be called natural and how unnatural would man need to be to rid himself of this universal feature of life in all other animals. If we are aiming for a natural state, it does not seem that man would be unique among all the other creatures in um, avoiding all use of force. How could man help but observe that when he is not at war, of course, when there is peace, that life is preferable? And given his reasoning powers, combined with these observations, what cause would he have to determine that he was somehow uniquely depraved among all God's creatures for applying force, observed in all life according to his reason, so as to avoid larger catastrophes that ensue when he does not? If a chimp can figure out that guarding territory with violence is preferable to being murdered by other chimps who rape his mate and his sister, then how could man possibly hope to avoid making that same observation? By what failure of his faculties would he conclude that the complete destruction of his lineage was the only moral choice? Perhaps such men have lived at some time in this world, but they do not live today, and one need not the Bible nor any moral philosopher, only Darwin, to say why. The larger and more organized and more cohesive the group, the greater its power. Should a man fail to notice that, he may be considered fortunate to survive the lesson on the day it survives on a day it arrives should man then impose upon his neighbor his cousin his brother even his wife through some measure of coercion the organization the cohesiveness the unity of purpose that is required to repel a threat from a group that does not ponder such acts as a moral question well only if he means to survive And there are, of course, those who say that he ought not survive, that is. And to tell us this, they insist that we have committed some moral wrong. They tell us that our reproduction is causing the planet to heat, and that we should cease this practice for the benefit of the chimps, who murder one another over sex and dirt more readily than you and I would dare to consider. Which leads us in a rather circular pattern about the source of this moral judgment. But today, we are not moral philosophers so much as observers of ourselves. So think about this one for a second. Why do we call it a state? Why do we call it the state, specifically? It seems an odd term, if you think about it. Maybe, maybe not. If you think about it, maybe it doesn't seem so weird. But we use this word pronounced and spelled the exact same way in other contexts, right? We might refer to a state of affairs being the case. We refer to, uh, you know, according to the state of affairs, you might seek to do X, Y, and Z. We might say that water below a certain temperature is observed to be in a frozen state. In this context, the state refers to what is. Whatever something is, that is the state of that thing, right? I was not in a position to do the study of linguistics before airtime, but I will posit a theory as an English speaker. The state in our political discourse is often considered the ultimate given. Its existence is not questioned outside of extremist fringe groups hellbent on deconstructing everything. It is no less in politics than it is in describing the state of air or the state of the weather. The description of what is. The state is our existence. It is that part of us that is neither the individual self nor the other. It's in between, right? And without it, we do not exist. We, we we cannot be stateless. We can only cease to be. The proliferation of the aforementioned extremist groups and their habit of deconstructing everything, it extends well beyond the halls of government. There's that word. They have conjured in their minds a bifurcation between the concepts of sex and gender. They have called for this, too, to be abolished, along with the state. Indeed, they themselves refer to gender and the state as part of the same structure of oppression. Mark Bray, in his book, Antifa, the Anti-Fascist Handbook, he says, Though intended as a pejorative, the shut-it-down left is an apt term for a direct action tendency in the radical left that developed through Occupy and Black Lives Matter and is increasingly capable of pushing against the advances of white supremacy, homophobia, patriarchy, and domination in all its forms. And That's a very key phrase. Domination in all its forms comes up a few times in this book. And it's always associated with the state. It's always associated with patriarchy. It's always associated with homophobia, right? It's always, of course, it's white supremacy. That's the whole entire point. you got to get rid of those white people. They created this whole mess to begin with. If it wasn't for those white folks, we'd all be, you know, animals in the jungle. And we'll see how long Mark Bray would live in that environment, but that's another subject. He notes that the dominant groups perpetrating this violence are anarchists. Quote, some Antifa groups are more Marxist, while others are more anarchist or anti-authoritarian. In the United States, most have been anarchist or anti-authoritarian since the emergence of modern Antifa under the name anti-racist action in the late 80s. So to them, the state and our sex characteristics, the differences between human groups known as races, our very capacity to sexually reproduce, are all part of the same oppressive system, which they violently resist with riots and arson. And while I think it quite within the realm of possibility that a man who says such things is a liar, I might even consider the possibility that he's incorrect. But I would go so far as to say that in this instance, perhaps we ought to take his word for it that this is what he believes to be the case. And so the people who want to abolish your state are the same people who want to abolish your sex and your race and your economy and your culture and you ultimately and themselves fundamentally because these people are at war with existence and that's why they hate the state. they hate what is and that's my theory on it and as i said in the email that i sent out before the show today i only intended to scratch the surface of this i will be very interested to take your calls on the matter at 217 1433 if you would like to be on the program And the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. Let me go over here and just make sure that everything's going all right. And since you are not lighting up the phones for me, I'm going to real quick play an audio clip. I have this audio clip over here, which I'm going to share with you because you are very special people. And the reason that you're very special people is because pretty soon you're going to sign up for surreal politiques. Premium membership. And the reason that you're going to do that is because you don't know what you've been missing. And now you're about to find out, okay? And so on the Surreal Politics uh, Wednesday member chats, which is only for the members, and you can sign up on Odyssey or you can sign up on Surreal Politics. I think you should sign up on SurrealPolitics.com, partially because you can use the code agenda33 and then you get 33% off for your thir- first three months. But you know, that's besides the point. Um, you can do that, and then you get all the audience participation over there, which you don't get on the um, on the Odyssey member thing. But point being, um, you might think like, well, you know, I, I hear him talk uh, all the time, and I'm kind of sick of listening to this guy run his stupid mouth, and so why would I sign up for a membership on his stupid website and pay for it when there's all these other idiots willing to give away the stuff for free? And I'm like, okay, well, you've got kind of a point. But it's really not that good of a point. When you hear how— like, good I am at my job, I'm going to remind you that you, like, when you miss stuff for me, like, you think that you don't care. You're like, okay, well, you know, I got him Monday, maybe I got him Friday if I'm smart enough to listen to the Uncensored Show. And you think, like, okay, I, if I miss the live show, well, I just download the podcast. But of course, if you're not a member, okay, if you're not a member, then on Wednesday, like, you're missing a podcast, okay? And I'm telling you, like, we got more audience participation. It's like a video conference thing. But you know, I'm still uh, I'm still brilliant. i'm gonna I'm gonna prove it right now. So here's a clip from a recent Wednesday members only video chat. And of course, what I have done is uh, I've edited it a little bit, you'll notice. Um, and of course, that's kind of the other perk is that you're gonna get ideas as I'm still figuring them out, and then you're going to help me explore those ideas. And then you're going to be, you know, like centrally involved in um, how my genius proliferates those ideas uh, out to the masses. And so anyway, Um, This is not a simple recording of the live broadcast that you are about to listen to, as you will likely note from um, from the background music. The last time I felt this optimistic, Donald Trump had not yet been sworn in as president. Those weeks between his 2016 election victory and the beginning of his administration were, for me, among the most hopeful days of my life. Prior to this, I had become convinced that societies follow a more or less universal trend... Whether according to the Strong Men Make Good Times theme or the Liberty to Abundance, Abundance to Apathy model, I had become more or less certain that I was born to endure the declining phase and that my only role in this world was to suffer through it and attempt to discover the strength to build a better world on the other side. For what was, in the grand scheme of things, a very short period, I thought perhaps there was hope to avoid the most painful consequences of that decline. I thought perhaps the trend might even be reversed. Maybe, just maybe, we had learned enough from history that this time around we would not necessarily do to repeat it. The following year, from my cage in Albemarle County, Virginia, I was more or less dissuaded of this view. There, in solitary confinement, I made peace with my fate. The trials and tribulations to follow were, however unexpected in their specifics, by no means categorically surprising. I and others like me were to be persecuted. Lies would prevail over truth. Frenzied celebratory destruction would be granted greater social approval than childbirth, lesser forms of creation. Death would be neither more nor given any special spiritual significance, but rather take on a rather mundane character, given its chaotic pervasiveness. From another cage, years later, alone once again, little but my own thoughts, I read the Bible twice. I listened to it more accurately. They gave us these modified Android tablets at that jail, which included with them a Bible app that offered several different versions of the Bibles and audiobooks. I listened to two different versions of it, and I took many notes as I did. I was truly surprised at the comfort this gave me. I was even more surprised at the wisdom that I perceived in it. I did not consider it an accurate historical record by you. For many stories we learn over the course of our lives enjoy something of a duality a straddling of the line between truth and fiction. Fables, perhaps being the best example, teach us very real lessons by telling us about animals who speak whatever the language of the human storyteller. Upon reflection, one might marvel at the number of dialects in which that fox learned to curse those grapes as sour. More to the point, the Bible and other stories like it tell us to expect suffering in this life and to store up riches in heaven. This much I understood from compulsory study as a child. I used to think this was a terribly destructive thing to learn and bordering on criminal to teach. I have loved America's Declaration of Independence from my earliest memories of it, and in particular that part about the pursuit of happiness. Telling the people that happiness was to be found only in death seemed to me rather morbid and not at all conducive to human flourishing. But I pursued happiness in many ways for many years, and though I smiled and laughed and, shall we say, found much in the way of carnal enjoyment, happiness was not forthcoming, fundamentally. Satisfaction was always so fleeting and ephemeral. One chases it from one moment to the next like a drug addict, and in some moments, this was no metaphor for a humble correspondent. Only after I took a more active interest in politics and studied philosophy for this purpose did I find anything that could fairly be described as contentment. I was by no means content with the state of our politics of course but internally having purpose beyond my next paycheck and how to spend it beyond even the horizon of my own existence in this i found the meaning of eternal life this gave me a certain sense that i might find some opportunity even in death i did not do not think that i will go to heaven and even if i believed in god i do not think my character quite measures up such a reward but rather that the idea of me my presence in the world and my impact on it, that they are what constitute who I am far more than the physical material which experiences pleasure and pain. In this sense, I was not a body but a force, that force, even in the most deterministic of worldviews, had no expiration date. My body could pass at any moment, and so long as I had previously made the right investments of my energies, that force could continue on in eternity. This you could, in a sense, say was when I died, I have since been a dead man walking, uprightly and quite content, I might add. I am amused by threats because dead men are rather difficult to intimidate. This is not to say that I am unfazed, mind you. I am deeply disturbed much of the time, most of it, really. I am plagued by dark visions of what may befall my fellow man, and women in particular, and I feel personally responsible for all of it. I curse myself for not having the power to stop this. As I am made to suffer, whatever the ostensible cause of the suffering may be, I consider it just punishment for that failure. And while that might not sound to you like the achievement of happiness, I would endeavor to correct you. This is a limitless fountain of purpose, and that is the only real currency in life. Dispensing now with our poetic element, I'll get to the point. My hopeful sense of the day is not born of my contentment with the grim, but rather with the prospect that we might all enjoy another brief moment in the sun before the darkness inevitably returns to join us in this eternal struggle. Alright, welcome back to Surreal Politics. Thank you very much uh, for what is left of your patience. I shouldn't have to thank you for your patience. You probably enjoyed that, right? I sure hope so. 217 If you'd like to be on the program and the more you talk, the less I have to, so please give us a call. Let's try this, shall we? I'm going to um, I'm gonna do something different. So we've talked a little bit about, um, well, those of you who tune into the member chats, you've heard a little bit more about this. Um, Now I have done that. Now I wanna go over here so that I'm on this scene and that that is there. And then what I will do is I will go ahead, no, you know what, I'm gonna create another scene. All right, listen, video people, you're gonna see a little bit of a, a black screen real quick. And then when I go to the black screen and then you're gonna hear silence, I'm gonna fix the silence really fast, okay? And so the silence is now being fixed. And I go over here and I do the uh, this one, the audio codec. And now that I've done that, now you hear me. I'm certain that you do. And in a second, you're going to see me. Um, and I go over here and I say, hello. Hello, video people. Hello, video people. You guys all see and hear me now. That's very good news. And so now that you see and hear me, watch this. I'm going to do a really cool trick. I am now going to bring up um my desktop over i think it's this one this one right yeah okay very good so now that i've done that i can go over here and then i'm going to go over to the news tab because that's where my show prep is but fundamentally that's not what we're trying to do we're actually not trying to read the news just yet because i'm just gonna show you something okay do i i don't have any embarrassing bookmarks up here right no i don't okay very good so you could see this, and that's not the end of the world. Hey, okay, where am I? Hang on a second. The people want to see me. That's the whole entire point of the enterprise, you idiot. What are you doing? Come over here. Okay, there we go. All right. And so the people who are listening to this on audio, what's happening is I am um, I'm endeavoring to show people what it is that I'm doing on the computer. This has been a complaint from the video audience, and I know that most of you uh, download the audio and listen to the podcast but there's so many, you know, demanding, needy people on the internet, and I have to cater to them because they pay me, uh, they pay me. And so because they pay me, they get what they want. You can you can pay me if you want, uh, surrealpoliteach.com slash join. But anyway, so more to the point, I'm going to go bring up some images. Let's go look at someone named Elliot Page, okay? I'm going to show you who, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I'll go to, I'll show you Ellen Page first, and then we'll figure out what's wrong with Ellen Page, Okay. And so if we go over here and we look at images, let's look at Ellen Page. Ellen Page would not be described um, as a hideous woman in most circles. Um, she uh, she actually, uh, some might describe her as very beautiful. And, uh, you know, it might depend on the day of the week or whatever and what role she's playing in what movie. But she was a very pretty girl who became an actress. And... Uh, and you can see pictures of her on the internet. And so I have just uh, audio audience. I have just showed the video audience a few pictures of Ellen Page. And let me just go make sure. It's working. It's working. It is working. This is great. Okay. And so now that I know that, that is working, I'll go back over here. So this is this, uh, you know, reasonably attractive woman who managed to become a successful actress. And one imagines that she probably didn't have a whole lot of trouble finding men or whatever. And so there's that. Now let's go do another search for a different name, which is Elliot Page. Elliot Page looks substantially different from Ellen Page. Somebody made the remark. <laughs> uh, I forget exactly what it, oh, my God. You see this? Oh, my God. That was a beautiful woman. You see that right there? Do you see what I'm looking at? You don't audience on the air, but you get the idea is that I'm looking at what happens to a woman when she attempts to become a man. And the result is, uh, could charitably be described as unimpressive. It's really, really, really not good. Okay. And I want you to just ask yourself, what do you think? Do you think that maybe this person has really improved their life? Do you think that they're Happy now? Like, he's kind of like, uh, I just said he, now he's happy because I fucking said he, oh my God, I just cursed on surreal politics. Are you out of your mind? What are you doing? This is what they do to me. These people, Uh, you know, I get bent out of shape about this stuff you might have gathered. And so I came to observe this. And so um, Pat, who's always very helpful and um, contributes a lot to this production, brings to my attention this, um, this article that says, Ellen Page or Elliot Page uh, says that he was um, um, groomed and coerced sexually by two men and a woman uh, in uh, in his early years and I'm like well who the heck is Elliot page what what should I care what happened to Elliot page and I go over there and then I, I but I'm you know it's Pat so I'm like all right well Pat's not linking me to nonsense and so I'll go I'll see what Pat has to say And so, of course, what I'm like, okay, well, you know, Elliot Page said yada, 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 and he, 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 yada, 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 formerly known as Ellen Page. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. That's right. Okay, so you're a a transgender, and you're like, oh, well, you know, you know where I got the idea to completely destroy my body? It's because I was abused as a child. I'm like, oh, well, (laughs) obviously, like, you needed to write a book to tell me this. Of course you were abused as a child. Why else would you do this to yourself, okay? And that is a very troubling thing, I would say. And so I just, I'm just i just going to read you this Twitter post, and we'll come back to it. Meet Elliot Page, formerly known as the actress Ellen Page. Miss Page recently wrote a book describing herself as a victim of sexual abuse in her youth. Having not dealt with the trauma, she destroyed her beauty in pursuit of a left-wing anti-human delusion known as transgenderism. Do you imagine that she is much happier now? Please. In discussing transgenderism, I have a tendency, a certain tendency, to focus my ire on trans women. This is, of course, as many of you know, due in some part to um, a degree of experience. And um, <laughs> uh, not a very positive one, and a not at all sexual one, I'll just add, for those of you who have no idea who I am or what I'm referencing. They are, of course, largely autogynephiliacs. People who are—they are men who are turned on the idea, by the idea of themselves as women. It's a sexual fetish that they're acting out, and they—they're um, basically they're posing as lesbians, right? They're—I'm not—I'm not a—I'm not, not a man. I'm a woman, but I'm not—I'm not attracted to men. I'm a—I'm a lesbian. I'm a man. I was born a man, but I'm a lesbian now. Okay, and so they're predators. They—they they pose as lesbians and they—they they try to sneak into women's spaces by dressing up like women. is fundamentally what those people are doing, and that's sick. Or, of course, you know, they might be uh, run-the-mill child molesters, and they're using the harmless conception we tend to hold of women as a means by which to prey on young kids, right? They're like, oh, well, I'm I'm not a weirdo old man trying to sneak into the bathroom with your child. I'm just a pretty lady, you know. No, they're not pretty, almost, and never, of course. But they're predators, essentially. And, of course, you know, there's a good reason to be really upset about that. Um, But I'll tell you something, when I see images like the ones I just showed you, I got to tell you, I become briefly convinced that the far greater crime is in the destruction of feminine beauty. Oh, to squander. No, 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 not just to, not simply to squander, but to mangle, to destroy, to make hideous. Such a priceless thing. Boy, that really burns me up, I got to tell you. Perhaps it is ultimately a, a lesser crime than um, child sexual abuse. I, I, you know, you have to hold that out as the ultimate thing, you know. And I, <laughs> I, you, I don't need to give any disclaimers that I'm very much against child sexual abuse. But when I see the pictures of this woman and then I see the pictures of this this man, whatever the heck he is, uh, I get <laughs> – I can hardly imagine anything worse than that, you know. And uh, that really upset me, you know. Like it's it's yeah. It's, it's let me put it this way: G- taking a woman who's very beautiful and then turning her into that creature is a lesser crime than raping a baby, okay? But it's up there, okay? It's it's like definitely worse than some gangbanger killing some other gangbanger, right? If there's two gangbangers and they're both scumbags and they're like, you know what? One of us is going to die today. Like maybe civilization could be like, well, you know, at least you're not, you know, engaged in transgenderism. You know, we'll throw you away for the rest of your life. Maybe we'll kill you. But, you know, we're not going to give you quite the moral approbation that we would if you're running around telling beautiful women to cut their boobs off and destroy their their face. We'll grant you that much mercy, gangbanger, that if you're just running around killing each other, we won't hold you in that much contempt as we hold the people who propagandize these beautiful girls. Damn you, Magnus Hirschfeld. And because this is surreal politics, I'm just going to tell you to go look it up. I'm not getting into Magnus Hirschfeld tonight. But some of you know all about Magnus Hirschfeld. And may his kind perish from the earth. And may we find it within ourselves to erase them from our history books. So as to allow our people the peace of forgetting what they have done to us. Because that is about the most disturbing thing that, that I can I can really think about. And now I've visited upon you, aren't you happy? 217 688 if you would like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less than I have to. So please do give us a call. And so let me go back over here, and then I'm going to do this. Now, maybe I'll bring that back. Maybe I'll bring it back. But you see video people, you guys have been asking me for this for a long time, that I can like operate, you know, those of you who listen to the audio podcast, you're like, oh, well, you know, he plays the audio, I hear it, right? The people on the video are like, I'm looking at you while you're playing a video. You're sitting there vaping, and I'm looking at you, you vape like a drug addict, and you're playing the video. Why don't you just show me the video? And I'm like, well, because the video actually, it comes from the other computer. And I'm over here uh, doing the thing. And, And they're like, well, fix it. I'm like... All right, you got a point. Fine, fine. So I've done it. Isn't that great? Two one seven six eight eight one four three three. If you would like to be on the program, and the more you tell the list, I have to. So please give us a call. So let me go over here. Not that one. Not that one. Um, he went over to, cover to expose the rubber stamping of trans surgeries. This is over at World Net Daily. Got this from um, Got this from Revolver News, as I do so much of my stuff. But apparently, uh, originally it was published at the Daily Signal by Mary Margaret O. Olohan. Just after a 22-minute phone call, an undercover reporter posing as a transgender-identifying patient allegedly received a letter of support for the removal of his testicles. Greg Ray, former, a, formerly a producer for Tucker Carlson Tonight, who now works for Matt Walsh in The Daily Wire, well, you know, he's got find, to find work somewhere, allegedly used a fake legal name, Chelsea Boosie, on his intake form—was it Busey? Is he like, uh, is this like a gag? On his intake form with the Plume Clinic, the clinic boasts about providing gender-affirming care for trans and non-binary people over its patients' phones. Without even attempting to pass as a woman, Ray obtained a letter of approval from Plume, according to Walsh, a letter necessary for insurance companies to cover the medical expenses for this procedure. Plume did, Plume did not um, respond to requests, uh, Uh, for comment from the Daily Signal. The Daily Wire is highlighting that Walsh's and Ray's joint expose raised questions about the standards of care employed by gender-affirming care practitioners as well as the insurance approval process, warning that there's big money behind the process for obtaining trans surgeries. Walsh posted video footage showing Ray in an apartment FaceTime video interview —I'm sorry, not in an apartment— in an apparent FaceTime video interview with an alleged nurse practitioner, whose name and photograph are blurred out for privacy reasons. Well, come on, you guys should be more like uh, you know one of these other productions and dox these people and show us who they are and let them suffer the consequences. But you know, I'm not going to do it because you know I wouldn't. I'm going to be I'm going to be as well behaved as the Daily Wire, and I don't know why all you people would try to say otherwise. That's defamatory, don't you? To mean my character. Walsh posted the video, yada, 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 whose name and photograph are blurred. Uh, though Ray stated he had never experienced a gender dysphoria for six months or more, meaning under the current version of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders that he doesn't have gender dysphoria, Plume allegedly scheduled him for a video interview anyway. He didn't even attempt to pass, Walsh said. He's badly mispronounced the name of the surgery he wanted. He made it clear he didn't know what effect the surgery would have. Nonetheless, Plume's nurse practitioner said she wanted to write the most solid letter possible. Solid is in quotes here, so they didn't make that part up. The most solid letter possible just to justify a surgery. Greg tells her that he once wrote an essay in school about being a woman, which everyone thought was ridiculous. Greg also tells Plume's nurse practitioner that, the, uh, that his father has been prescribing him hormones for years. Walsh continued, the nurse doesn't question this in any way. Instead, she says, that arrangement is, quote, perfect. It's perfect, isn't it? Well, I know that you've never experienced gender dysphoria for more than six months, but as long as your father's pumping you full of drugs, I might as well cut your slung off. Why don't we do that? No more slong covered for you. After three days, according to Walls, Ray's alias Chelsea Busey received a letter stating that he was experiencing a significant ongoing gender dysphoria um, and recommending him for testicle removal. There we go. That's interesting. It's especially interesting, right? Like, look, um, why don't we come here? We'll take the berries, off, And then uh, you see how you like that? And if you're good without the berries, we'll come get the twig. You know, you want to do that? All right, come on down. You think that... <laughs> you got to imagine. That's a pretty funny thing to think about, you know? You think somebody goes in there and it's like, oh, my God, my balls! And then, and then they're like, you know what? I got to do that again. Let's, let's continue this circus, huh? I think that I think that most of these people probably are like, we're gonna to have to get that whole thing out of there. We we do this to you, you're gonna sue us. We don't, you know, how many so how many forms do you have to sign to get your balls cut off? Right? Do you think that they've got like a team of lawyers there? They're like, listen, maniac, I don't care if you come around, you'd come turn around, plead guilty to, plead insanity to a crime later. I don't want to hear about it. Okay, you gotta like you gotta take an IQ test to make sure that you're capable of informed consent because I'm not getting sued. And they're like, well, you know. All the people who do that sort of thing—they work for us, you know. <laughs> Maybe you get that. Um, and so he was supposed to come in for a testicle removal. Not, they not—they haven't mentioned the uh, the other parts yet. The letter notes that since Plume operates on a virtual basis for a pre-operative risk assessment or for post-operative care, patients will need to see their primary care provider or surgeon. That's good. You know, you're like, hey, look, we're a bunch of Internet retards. And we're like, hey, let's have a let's have a Google Hangout. And then we're going to tell you to cut your balls off. But you know what? Maybe you should go stop by a doctor before you make that call. (laughs) Uh, 217-688-1433. Call in. I'll tell you to cut your balls off. And then if you think that that's a good idea, then you go to a mental hospital and you get it taken care of. How's that? Okay, we'll do it that way. When Ray followed up to ask why he had been diagnosed with gender dysphoria, according to Walsh, Plume allegedly admitted that they used letter samples that had been provided to them by the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. Okay, that's it. The W-Path. What just happened here? This is, uh, real quick, sorry. Oh, okay, all right, all right, that's fine. Um, WPATH did not immediately respond to a request for comment. I know we write letters based on WPATH templates, but I can ask your provider if it is necessary to have it, uh, and if not, perhaps it can be removed, <laughs> a Plume Care Coordinator allegedly said. But was said that Ray would later be told by the Plume uh, nurse practitioner that in order to for the surgery to be paid for, the, di- uh, the the dysphoria diagnosis would need to remain in place. At the same time, the nurse appeared confused as to why Chelsea Busey had requested testicle removal in the first place, Walsh added. Walsh also uh, highlighted that the Transgender Telehealth Service, <laughs> the Transgender Telehealth Service, the, this is like the whole thing, right? They're like, okay, guys, we're all gonna like hang out in this, uh, this like this place, and when people, uh, they want to cut their balls off, they're gonna get on like a Skype call with us, and we'd be like, "Yeah, go ahead, go do that." And they're like, "Can you send me other?" And I'm like, "Sure, we've got, we've got paper, we've got printers, we've got the thing that somebody else wrote it for us. We'll just print it out, put a stamp on it, give me a dollar. I know stamp. What, what is the stamp is up to sixty six cents now? Somebody told me. Give me a dollar. All right. I'll send you a, 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 a stamped envelope with a letter inside of it that I printed out from these fanatics on this website that I know about. They are part of an outfit. They call themselves transgender health, which by ne- definition means that you're going to be a healthy transgender person. Right. So You do what these transgender health people do. And unlike all those six cis people with their babies popping out of them and all the problems that are associated with that nonsense. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be a healthy transgender person. All you need to do is get on a Skype call with me. I'll tell you to cut your balls off, and I'll mail you a letter. Um, Walsh also highlighted the Transgender Telehealth Service, Folks Health. Oh, my God. They call it F-O-L-X Health. You know, I don't know. If, like, people can't spell, you know, maybe you go somewhere else for your medical advice, right? They're like, hey, uh, you guys, what is folks? They're like, it's like folks, like people. And they're like, that's not how it's spelled. They're like, listen, you white supremacists, don't tell me nonsense. Cut your balls off. And they're like, okay, I'll go do it. No, they can't. They don't understand the English language. Or they do, and they're subversive, in which case it explains why they're telling you to cut your balls off. Either way, you don't get advice from these people. What's wrong with you? Well, fortunately, this guy didn't. But I'm sure a lot of people did. I guess they deserve it. Do you think—let me let me ask you this. 217-688-1433, if you'd like to be on the program, and I need to know from you, do these people deserve it? Like, if people go do this—if somebody goes to Folk's F-O-L-X Health, and they're like, let me get on a Skype call with this guy and figure out if I should cut my balls off. And the guy's like, yeah, cut your balls off. And he's like, I guess I gotta go do it. Does he deserve what he gets? Or, like, or like, should we feel bad for that guy? Is he a victim? Or, or like, yeah, dude, of course. Now you have no balls. That's what you get for talking to these people, right? Like I don't, I'm torn behind it, right? It was a situation like I saw some woman get beat up by an obvious criminal, you know. And by obvious criminal, I mean you could tell what the guy looks like. I don't even have to, I don't need to do the whole stupid video thing. When I say he's an obvious criminal, you know exactly what he looks like. Now the news would tell you the same thing. They'd be like, oh, the 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 um the news is uh, wants to tell you that the police are on lookout for a criminal who has committed a crime. And might be running. Okay, what's he look like? Listen, we don't want to get into that. Okay, so you know what the criminal looks like in any case. And so I posted a video of this white woman being beaten by this criminal, and then and then I said, is this a toll or is this a, or is this a hate crime? Because it was really really brutal, you know. And people were like, you know, well, you get the idea. Anyway, so you know, d- does she get what she deserves for hanging out with this animal, or did uh, did uh, you know, was she victimized by a monster? And it's kinda of like, well, you know, these they kinda of straddle the line, I guess. So I don't know. If you call these people and they're like cut your balls off and then your balls are gone, you know, I got mixed feelings about it, let's say. Two one seven, six eight, eight, one four three three if you'd like to be on the program. Let's real quick look at this. That's not that. That's not what that is. I wanna do you're over here. And this thing where did I put it? Okay. Well, there we go. That's good. Now I know what that is, and then we're fine. This scam is the cutting edge of trans healthcare, the Daily Wire host said. After launching just a couple of years ago, Plume now operates in 41 states. Folks, (laughs) F-O-L-X is in 47 states. How is it possible they've expanded so quickly? I don't know. Do you think that there's that much of a demand for their services, that they're just like raking in the dough? Do you think that? Do you think that there's like, oh, well, you know, if we just go pop up over here, then all the people with gender dysphoria, they're going to come rushing through the doors there. Or do you think that maybe they go in there, they try to drum up some business? Or do you think that some maniac, do you think that some maniac is like, you know what? I really want more transgenderism. Why don't I go set up a transgender sales operation in all 50 states? Do You think that maybe somebody invested a couple of bucks into that? And I don't know what his last name might be, but I have like, a, a it would probably be on a very short list. If you get my drip. And so, um, yeah, so that's the end of the story in any case. And probably it's you know, for a lot of people, that is the end of the story. They go in there, they get their balls cut off, and that's the end of them. And they're like, Oh, well, now that I'm a woman, and then they're like, Well, wait a second, I'm actually not a woman. And I'm like, Well, yeah, like kind of you are. Like, you just, you know, I mean, you're not like a woman woman, you're a trans woman. And so you just run around and insist. You just go around and tell people, hey trans women are women and eventually they'll respect you as a woman and then you attempt this and it doesn't work and then that's when you blow your stupid brains out assuming you have a gun which it might be difficult to do if you're in new york but there's plenty of drugs there so you'll figure out a way to do it 217-688-1433 if you would like to be on the program let's see what else we got oh, we got uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff there was a pride flag over the tp usa event the turning point usa Turning Point USA. That's Charlie Kirk's outfit, which is not a bad, you know, outfit. A lot of people, uh, you know, they got mixed feelings about things. There's people who are like, "Oh, wait a second, you know, you're not, uh, you're not, you're not far enough for me," and so I don't like you. We have to ruin you. And I'm like, "No, that's silly, stupid." Allow these people to do their work, and maybe you go there and hang out with them. And if you think their ideas are dumb, then you can give them better ideas. You could get them. You know what? Here's an idea. If you think somebody has a dumb idea, you'd be like, you know what? You should listen to this clip from this guy who does this show. It's called Surreal Politics. And then if you like that, because you're gonna, then what you should do is you should call the show. And then you tell this guy your dumb idea, and he'll tell you why it's dumb, and then you'll be smarter. And that would be good. And you would actually be able to, like, improve your country that way. It would be, like, activism is, is what they call that. And so anyway, so there was the, the Turning Point USA basically had this, like, women's event, okay? And so they, they will go over this, um, what did they call it? Leading for, this is over at uh, Newsweek, which is you know Newsweek's kind of funny. We should talk about Newsweek in more detail one of these days. Um, Newsweek we like sold for a dollar at one point, and then it was like Mike Hayden worked there. He now he works he was working for the Southern Poverty Law Center, and I think he's uh, I don't know if he's prostituting so don't, himself. I don't know what he does. Whatever. And so um, you get the idea. In any case, it's changed hands a few times. And you never not, Newsweek is one of these publications. you never quite sure who owns it. And you are like, is this right-wing stuff or is this left-wing stuff? Like, What fanatic flipped a coin and got Newsweek this week? I don't know. We're going to find out right now. Um, but it was linked to from Revolver News. So we're going to assume that this is not communist propaganda unless the whole entire point of it was to show us how cringe-inducing communist propaganda is. So it's really possible either way. You never know when I start reading the news. Leading figures in the American conservative movement expressed their anger on stage at a Turning Point USA conference over the hanging of an LGBTQ. Oh, my God, they hung an LGBTQ. Oh, my God, that is outrageous. That is outrageous. Oh, uh, it was the, the the flag. Never mind. I'm sorry. So um, there was outrage when they hung the LGBTQ flag at the venue to mark P-month, uh, Pride Month, as it were, Yeah and the p in, in lgbtp it doesn't stand for pride you got to you got to understand that and 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 so you know you just figure it out charlie kirk the action groups um, founder and political commentator rallied against the flag being hung beside the star spangled banner this <laughs> is right it's next to the star spangled banner it's a great idea hey i got an idea we'll put the the gay flag like let's take down the american flag put the gay flag up And they're like, somebody's really going to get mad about that. They're like, that's the whole point. They're like, why don't we just put it, like, next to it? And they're like, fine, cock, go ahead. And and that's what they did. And then they came there, and they're like, hey, you shouldn't do that. And they're like, look, do you think, you you know, if we had to choose between, like, a bunch of gun owners being upset with us or the gays, who do you think we're more afraid of? The gays, obviously. Charlie Kirk, the uh, action group's founder and political commentator, rallied against the flag being hung beside the Star-Spangled Banner and the Texas flag outside a Gaylord Texan Resort. Why did you have your event at a Gaylord Texan Resort? This is what you get. You get what you deserve. I'm sorry. And I know, like, you know, I know it's stupid. Like, it's, it's whatever. I'm not going to do it. Somebody's name in the audience is probably Gaylord. And he's like, why did you, t- why are you making fun of me? I'm like, it's not you. I'm just, you know, it's a 10 year old thing. Up, Excuse me. W- <laughs> this is so funny. Hey, vacuum, can you shut up and not? And like you, like I, anyway. You're oh, you're ready, are you? Why don't you charge and stop barking at me? Shut up. You're charging. Please wait. <laughs> I don't know how much of that you hear. I'm sorry. Um, he said he tried to have the flag removed, but had failed conservative activists gathered at the hotel and conference center for Turning Point's Young Women's Leadership Summit. That's the phrasing that I was looking for. Okay, I'm about had it with you. Shut your stupid... I got to go fix this thing. Damn. Yeah, shut down. I, like, why does my vacuum cleaner turn into Chatty Cathy when I'm in the middle of a broadcast? Are you out of your mind? Like, what the heck is going on here? Next thing you know, it's gonna be like I'm checking, I want to play. And, you know, I was gonna come over here, stab me in the neck with a machete, and, and I'm gonna be like, "Thank you. It just put me out of my misery. Like you're gonna ruin my broadcast. You might as well just stab me in the face. It's easier that way." Two one seven six eight eight one four three three. Conservative commentators have hit out at previous shows of solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community this month. Um, wait a second. He said he tried to have the flag removed, but uh, but had failed. Conservative activists gathered at the hotel and conference center for the summit. Conservative commentators have hit out at previous shows of solidarity with the LGBT, LGB uh, the PPP, the pedophile community. Let's just put it that way. Um, and it follows months of calls for boycotts of brands appearing to align with or serve pedophile customers, including Bud Light and Target, who are definitely pedophile companies the um the controversies speak to a wider culture war about the acceptance of pedophiles in um, in public life uh, which they used to not you know you know you have seen some um, things they said um in response to um Donald Trump saying make America great again there are a bunch of people who ran around with with signs and shirts and stuff that said make racists afraid again okay can we have Mappa shirts? Make Can we do that? Like, instead of RWDS, maybe I'll just do Mappa hats. Uh, make, no, MPA. Make, yeah, no, it was M-P-A-A. That would be like the Motion Picture Association of America. That wouldn't work. That doesn't have even like a, like a catchy ring to it. But anyway, like, make pedophiles afraid again, all right? So maybe I don't make a hat out of it. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't make like a MAPA slogan. Maybe if I, I'm half as good at the English language as I like to pretend I am. I would have figured this out before the show. But I'm just saying, like, pedophiles in public life is not literally what the New- what the Newsweek article says. But they're like, well, it's a bit of a bigger debate about, um, you know, LGBTQ people. They don't say P. They just say plus. It's P. plebe I know what I'm talking about. I've, I watch these things for a living. And so they're talking about pedophiles in public life is fundamentally what they're doing. And they're like, wow, we're just talking about the guys. who kind of want to hang out at Trump's house or whatever. Like, listen, man, I don't want to hear about what you're doing at the truck stop. Get away from my kids, okay? Get away from the children. And they're like, no, I can't get away from the children. You're a racist. And I'm like, what does that have to do with it? It's like a categorical error. It's not even in the same ballpark. What are you talking about? They're like, you're a white supremacist. I'm like, fine. If that's what you, you know, don't, uh, you care for what you wish for, stupid. You know, you keep on calling everybody a Nazi. Eventually, you're going to be right, you know. And so don't do stuff like that, you know. If you're like, oh, well, you know, only only um, white supremacists are post-travelist station' You're going to be like, all right, fine. Then get away from my kids before I hurt you. <laughs> you know. So anyway, you're told you can't say things like this, and I'm going to say it. I just drove up here, at the Gaylord, and I saw these three flags," said Marjorie Taylor Greene. "You're not allowed to say things like this, and I just saw when I pulled up to the Gaylord Ranch, I saw the flags," said Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican congresswoman for Georgia. She said on the stage of the conference, ex- eliciting boos from the crowd before laughing. What? And one of the flags, which was just as big as the other ones. Oh, they're booing. (laughs) They're not booing her. They're booing the flag. I get it. I'm like, wait a second. The people who are like at this conference are like, you bigot, don't be afraid of the rainbow flag. I'm like, why would you buy a ticket to this thing? You're a bunch of reds. And they're like, oh, no, we're booing the flag. Now I get it. Okay. And one of the flags, which was just as big as the other ones, our United States flag, the Texas flag was the rainbow flag, she said, stirring more boos from the audience. I'm standing in the Gaylord, and they might kick me out and never want to ask me back. I, this is my Marjorie Taylor Greene impression. I've never been very good at impressions. I should get better, you know. It's every That's once in a while like, do a voice, but it's like, you know, it's just, it's standard. I have, like, three of them, and I just, you know, I'm just going to talk, and pre- you just pretend it's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, I'm standing in the Gaylord. They might kick me out for this and never want me to come back. Shame on them. Greene added to further cheers. Now they're cheering. Shame on them for hanging that flag out there. Shame on them because it shouldn't be about what people do sexually that causes us to hang a flag somewhere. I got an idea. Let's do that, as a matter of fact. Try that out. You want to do that? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, there's a a blog. It's pretty funny. I used to get—they used to link to me once in a while, and then they realized that I just thought it was funny. I'm like, oh, is (laughs) it— they, they, they thought that they were like going to, you know, intimidate me to, to call me a homophobe or whatever. Right. And I was like, Oh, well, I'll just read your, your nonsense on the, on my podcast and I'll call you names. Right. And so they were like, wait a second, you're not afraid. And then they stopped linking to my blog, which is kind of sad if you think about it, but anyway, the name of the blog is LGBT. I forget if it's LGBTP, LGBTQ, LGBT, you know, there's no plus in a domain name. I know that much about the protocol. But anyway, so like they're like the pedophile nation or whatever. The, the thrust of the point is that they have a domain name, which indicates that they are a nation of people who don't reproduce, which, you know, we, we sort of, you know, sort of hinted at earlier is that, you know, if you're dead or, you you know, if people kill you or if for that matter, if you don't have uh, offspring, then you don't have a nation. And so that's very amusing to me, except that, you know, they're kind of what they're doing is, you know, they, that's why they have to get the kids. You go produce the kids. You make them, we rape them. It's kind of the way the thing works. And then, like, if we get them when they're really young, like, they don't even figure it out. Like, they, like they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a beautiful woman and everything's happy. And then I'm going to go and cut my boobs off and stick myself with testosterone. In my, like, 20s. And then you're like, well, what happened to you? And they're like, well, you know, I just woke up one morning and was like, you know what I need to do? I need to destroy something beautiful. And you're like, why? And you're like, I don't know. And then, like, five years later, you're like, you know, I'm going to write a book and talk about how I got molested as a child. And then, like, by that time, it's like, it's way too late, you know. They've already raped, like, a thousand people. They're, like, off doing something else. They're off, you know, they're off using other child molesters to blackmail people by that point. It's like a, the whole different game, you know. And so, you know, whatever you make it that is is whatever you make it. At. So, um, oh, I'm not done with this story yet, am I? I probably am. Newsweek approached the Marriott, the owner of the Gaylord Texan uh, Ranch and Convention Center via email for comment on Monday. In a separate speech to the audience, Kirk compared the hanging of the rainbow flag to the transgender movement. Transgender activists have been fighting for better representation and support at a time... What are you talking about? Oh, better representation and support. See, Newsweek, what are you doing? I don't even know what I'm reading. Change can't interactive. have been fighting for better... No, but they're trying to destroy reality itself. They're at war with the ontological structure of the universe. What are you talking about? They've been fighting for acceptance. No. They're trying to get into the locker room and, like, be like, no, I want to teach your kids about my penis. And you're like, what are you talking about? Your penis is in, like, another state. Like, you got to take it off from the guys at the Google Hangout. What are you talking about? Your penis. No. Sorry for talking about penises. You get the idea. The social contagion and transgender activists have been fighting for better representation and support at a time when there are 369 active bills across the U.S. aimed at curbing those freedoms according to the trans legislation tracker. So, so you know, listen. Let me just fit this way. You are not a uh, an oppressed minority if you have a legislation tracker dedicated to you, okay? Just rule of thumb. Let's do that. And... After white people have their own like white legislation tracker and it's and it and it can like just go by hosting it like a, a, a mundane place and not have to worry about getting taken down off the Internet for hate speech or whatever. Like after that becomes like what normal people do that then, you know, then then we'll talk about whether you're being oppressed. But right. That's very that's like a very privileged thing, you see. And so I don't want to hear about it anymore. Aimed at curbing those. What freedoms? The the freedom to go into a bathroom with a child, the freedom to be like, "Hey, kid, come over here and talk to me about sex," and you're like, "Wait a second, I'm I'm dude, I, don't talk to my kid about sex. I don't care what you are. No, I'm transgender. It's okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no, no. Don't worry, sir. I'm going to talk to your child about sex, but it's okay because I'm transgender. I went on a Google Hangout and some dude cut my penis off. Everything's fine. It's uh, I'm a I'm a protected minority." You're not, you, know, you don't worry about it. You, look, just don't, 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 don't get involved, guy. Okay? That's what they tell you. you. Things that you wouldn't allow other people to do, they're like, don't worry, it's okay, I'm transgender. And that's what the freedom is. That's the freedom that Newsweek is talking about with the trans legislation tracker. Well, you know, you know, let me go over there and find out who to donate to, I guess, you know. You donate to me, I'll deal with the rest of this. This social contagion that is spreading across the country at a rapid pace, that disguises itself as transgenderism, Kirk told Young Women's Leadership Summit attendees, and it is accelerating, it is not slowing down. And you see it, you see it on equal footing outside of this hotel. I tried my best to take down the flag, everybody, I tried my best, I failed. He added, eliciting loud cheers from the audience. I know, you're all thinking about it, right? What is it all about? That's not how Charlie Kirk sounds, but you know. By the way, he sounds more like oh. I, by the way, <laughs> no, he doesn't sound like that. This hotel better do something, or we're gonna go find another hotel because I'm not coming back. This is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. He added, "This is not right. This is an insult to all of us. Our traditions, our customs." While those at the conference were evidently unhappy about the presence of the LGBTP flag, uh, many on social media either praised the hotel for apparently not taking the flag down or suggested Kirk should attempt to find somewhere else to hold the conference. Well, you know. For what you wish for, um, there's a bunch of people on social media who are like, Hey, I know that like I'm working in some kind of Hasbara shop in another country, but you know what? I love what you're doing. I'm never gonna be there, like, I wouldn't be caught dead in Texas. You have any idea what I'm gonna be caught dead in Texas, but you know, I love it when you alienate Texans. That's great. We over here in this foreign city or New York for that matter, we love it. Brooklyn, oh man, we love when you Texans ruin each other's events, it's great. For people to go crazy over their flying pride flag shows why it needs to be taken down. Water PIO, a crisis communications firm, tweeted, last week, right-wing figures hit out at the U.S. Air Force, tweeting an image depicting a soldier saluting a pride flag. Are you kidding me? I didn't even see that. The U.S. Air Force is like, all right, soldier, salute your flag. And they're like, yes, they... You know, what do you do? What does a soldier do? The sir-ma'am thing goes right out the window. Yes, they! And then you salute and you say, they! And you say it very firmly, they! At ease, they! Okay. (sighs) On its website, the official Young Women's Leadership Summit 2023 Spotify playlist included songs... By Wham, Elton John, and YMCA by the Village People. All three musical actors are known for having gay members. Oh, it's so clever of you, Newsweek. You see what I'm telling you? What Newsweek does to us? They're like, hey, look, we're going to talk to you about this outrage and the conservative movement. And they're like, oh, well, you know, these conservative thought leaders, they show up and you uh, you think highly of them, don't you? And we're not going to say anything about, bad about them in the first three paragraphs. We're not going to start with like calling them. We're not going to start with the headline that these are a bunch of... um homophobes or whatever, we're just going to tell you that they had a righteous outrage. And then by the end of it, we're like, yeah, you bunch of hypocrites, you listen to YMCA and they're gay, which means that you're gay too. So stop complaining about the flag already. Okay, you bigot. This is what they do to us. It's clever. I'll give them that. You know, you can't, you can't take that away from them. I mean, you can, but you got to do it by force fundamentally. You've got to like make sure that they have no other options, I guess. It's kind of the moral of the story. So anyway, with that said, um, I'm going to go ahead, and uh, I guess I'm going to call tonight. I will do one more story, two one seven six eight eight one four three three. if you'd like to chime in. Let me go refresh the page on the phones and make sure that, like, the thing isn't broken or whatever. I mean, if you guys just don't feel like talking, it's fine. Let me make sure that, like, I'm not ignoring you as a consequence of, like, a broken phone system. I don't believe that that's the case. No, yeah, no, you guys are not on hold. There's nobody been waiting. It, my phones are just dead. You guys don't want to talk to me. I understand. That's okay. One person called and hung up. He called in during the opening monologue. He's gone. And so, uh, you know, that's fine. So I'm going to do one story, and then if you're on the phone, then I'll talk to you. And if not, I'm going to call the name. Not that one. Whatever. We talked too much about Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson's great. Whatever. He called Zelensky rat-like, and people say that's anti-Semitic, and I think that's really funny. You know what? I'm not gonna do no, a no, no news story. I'm gonna read you a tweet. That's what I'll do. I'm gonna go and read you a tweet because I'm very proud of my Twitter account. You should follow me on Twitter. You should follow me on Twitter. I'm not whining. I'm trying to help you. Okay? If you if you follow me on Twitter, then great things are gonna happen. Oh, I had another announcement. I told I told people you don't. Most of you are not gonna care about this. It's really no big deal. And so, oh, somebody called me to crying yada yada. I'm gonna block you because you're a loser and you have a Ukrainian flag in your profile. Yeah. ha, ha, ha. Um, Let's see him. And he's really bent out of shape about the thing that I'm coming to read you, too. That's pretty funny. He's like, oh, my God, you, you don't like. You think that Russia's better than Ukraine, which must mean that you're a Nazi. And I'm like, isn't the whole point of this like... Oh, you people are so exhausting, you know, like, like, like Joe Biden's so based back in the Nazis when they're Ukrainian, they're fighting Putin or whatever. And then they're like, well, you're a Nazi because you oppose Ukraine. And I'm like, can you make up your mind, you idiot? Come on, pull it together. Cohesive narratives are for white supremacists. I'm like, I I, I guess that explains it then. Fine. You know, whatever, whatever you want, whatever you say, pal, if that's the way it's going to be, then I'm just going to have to, uh, I'm just going to have to go along with, uh, with what you're saying. Fine. So where's the thing. Where's the, uh, I'm going through it in like my, my mentions. I should probably just go to my timeline because uh, I'm not finding it. I just blocked the guy who commented on it. That's what's happening fundamentally. And so right before I posted the thing about the thing, I posted about the other thing. And the thing was Russia. And what I said about Russia was, did they take down my Russia post? Is that what they did? Uh Oh, what's happening here? There's no way they can't have done that to me. They would have had to email me, right? When I said, I'm going to go over to Gab and find it, because I know that Gab is not deleting my post. If they delete my post, they're going to kick me off the whole platform, and there's not going to be any like confusion about it. Twitter's just like, yeah, well, maybe it's here, maybe it's not. And you're just going to have to keep on showing up and paying us and see what happens. And I'm like, well, you know, OK, here's my take my money, whatever you say. Fine. fine fine So here's what I had to say about Russia. Fundamentally, I was like, OK, look, if Russia says one thing and Ukraine says another, I believe Russia. And it's it's like not even a close call. You might know, like if you have been paying attention to the news outside of the show, you know, that like there was a dam blew up. OK. In like, uh you know, in this disputed territory with um, Ukraine and Russia. OK. And then, like, if there was, like, a flood, and, you know, like, it was really bad. You know, when there's war and things blow up, it's, it's bad news, you know. So that's why most of us are like, hey, I, you know, you're in a war. What do I got to do to avoid war? They're like, well, probably you don't, you know, don't do all these things or whatever. And like, well, you know, that's a reasonable request, and then you don't. Other people are like, you know what, you're mean, and, and, and you know, whatever. So anyway, what I'm saying is, here's why I believe Russia over Ukraine, because Russia said to Ukraine— Hey, you need to stop threatening our security or we're going to kill you, okay? We're going to start killing people if you don't start if you don't stop threatening our security. We can't tolerate threats to our security. Now, you know, whatever you think about Vladimir Putin, that seems like a pretty reasonable request. Stop threatening us. And um, and so Ukraine then they respond and they would turn around They're were like, hey, calm down, boy. we're not a threat. We're just joining this military alliance that was explicitly formed against you and violently overthrowing any elected leader who favors good relations with your country because we're, we love democracy so much. You know what? Come to think of it, you should really be more democratic. And so Russia you know, obvious, that's belligerent, right? You're like, hey, wait a second. No, like, you know, like the people of your country, they elected Viktor Yanukovych and you were like, you know what, Yanukovych, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. Get out of my country. And then Yanukovych is like, D- you know, Putin, these guys are serious. They'll kill me. He's like, all right, fine. Come over here. You Hang out at my place, whatever. And so then they're like, okay, now that we've gone and, you know, threatened to kill the guy who you elected, let's have another election. And then that one will call real, okay? That's the way they do it They. Democrats, they vote until they win or they keep on counting the votes until they win or they 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 murder people until they whatever they have to do until they win is just, you know, they win is kind of the the way that they do it. Okay, And so they they overthrew Viktor Yanukovych twice, as a matter of fact, they they did this twice to the same guy, as it were. And so, you know, on the second time, he's like, they're going to kill me this time. And I'm like, all right, whatever, come on. And so then they got, like, you know, the successive administrations, whatever you get to, yeah. Hopefully you know something about the history of Ukraine. If you just, like, turn on the television, you're like, oh, my God, that Putin guy's mean. Like, he's just running around killing all those Ukrainians just because he hates them. He's like that Hitler fellow who just, like, walked up on the wrong side of the bedroom one morning and killed six million of them. Like that. I mean, what? Just because he's mean. Just because he's evil. I don't want to be evil, so I, don't call me no Nazi. So you know, Putin's like, hey, don't join this military alliance that exists to hurt us and don't overthrow elected leaders who are friendly to us. And if you do those things, then, then you and I can live as neighbors. And if not, I'm going to have to kill you. Right. And so they're like, no, like, we're going to keep on doing those things and shut up, be democratic. You should probably be more democratic, which by which we mean you should have different leadership, which is to say that, like, we should do to you what we did to Viktor Yanukovych. And then met with that Vladimir Putin. It's like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to kill you. And so then, of course, you know, because Vladimir Putin, I mean, he's an actual like he's a leader, like he's a statesman. He he has a military and stuff. And so he's like, OK, well, like I told you, I'm going to kill you. And you were like, oh, have yourself. And I was like, all right, then you dead. And so he did. He went and he killed some people. It's war. It's how it happens. And so, in other words, like the, the, the moral of the story is that like one of these parties to the transaction, they... He told the truth, and the other one is a lying, to borrow a phrase, rat-like scumbag. Okay, and so one statesman showed the masculine fortitude to state his intention, and the other acted like a like a rat. You know, Putin, Vladimir Putin, spent a lot. Of, he like invested a lot of energy. Like a, he he invested a lot into trying to gain Russia's respect on the world stage. Sorry about that. Putin tried to gain respect on the world stage for him and his country by being productive and stable and reliable and strong. And Ukraine, by contrast, over successive administrations, one after the other after the other, you know, after Viktor Yanukovych was violently overthrown, that is. um, They just corruptly purchased favors from uh, foreign politicians through bribes. Okay, that's the whole entire Hunter Biden, yada, 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 you know, millions to Joe thing, right? That's what Ukraine did. They were like, well, you know, we could invest in a military. We could probably even build up our economy. We might try to make our people happy. Or we could give millions of dollars to this crackhead sex addict and, um, you know, just send Ukrainian prostitutes to his room and give him whatever he wants. And then we could be like, hey, you're in charge of the government. Why don't you do stuff for me personally, like send me cryptocurrency? And he's like, OK, that's what Ukraine did. This is very different from what, you know, Russia did. One of these things is more honorable than the other, sort of the gist of what I'm getting at. Russia spent its resources on building its economy, its military. Ukraine spent it on espionage and corruption. And my earliest memories, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they were formed under the presidency of a man by the name of Ronald Reagan, okay? And Ronald Reagan called the Soviet Union the evil empire, okay? And, you know, in the common parlance, like Russia, the Soviets, it's the same thing back then, okay? So, like, I was raised to consider Russia, like, the national enemy, okay? And I did not come by the view that Russia is the good guy. I did not come by that view easily. You say this on Twitter, and people are like, oh, well, you're so stupid. Like, I just watching RT. You, those those stupid Russian bots, they ad mentioned you, and you're like, wait a second, somebody said something on Twitter? I guess it must be true. Like, this is the, the way that they try to portray things. Because they're profoundly unsophisticated, as it turns out. It's kind of like an interesting thing. Like, being back on Twitter... It's like, oh, like, you people can't even keep you, like, it's falling apart completely. Like, you have total home field advantage and what they call in a military air supremacy. Like, there's no challenge to your dominion over the battlefield, and yet you cannot, you still cannot maintain the narrative. You look at, like, the comments, like, Zelensky goes and tweets, and he's like, Russia's a terrorist state. Like, they just want to go and kill people. Like, Russia blew up the dam because they don't like walls or, what? you know, like stupid nonsense. And everybody's like, dude, like, we know that you blew the dam. Like, everybody knows what you did. And so, like, why would we believe a word that comes out of your mouth, you know? Well, we don't, obviously. We're not going to believe you. You're a liar. (laughs) You've lied all the time. You have not earned anything. You're taking money. You're bribing politicians. Like, get out of here. And so, like, uh, you know, like, after years of observing that, you know, from in front of the internet and in front of the television where I didn't have internet access for three years? You know, I you know, might know. Like, I figured this out before, like, I lost internet access. I was like, these people are bad news, these Ukraine people. And, you know, they're government anyway. They're You know, there's a lot of beautiful women in Ukraine or whatever. And I think a lot of them are about to be single. So, you know, there's that. All right? So, we'll take a call. Call our Jonas you know, Real Politics. What can I do for you, buddy? Hey, Chris. Uh, I'm just curious. Have you seen the... Uh... Little Mermaid, the latest Little Mermaid that came out. Of course I went like on box office day. I was down there. I had to wait in line. I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm like bribing people. I'm like, can I cut in line to like I've got kids." And I'm like, "I don't care about your kids. Go take them to the transgender clinic, you know?" No, I didn't see I did not see I didn't see the I didn't see the Little Mermaid. Well, I could tell you another uh, group of people that haven't seen the Little Mermaid as well. Apparently, China this film is, is bombed in China. And you won't believe why people in China just don't want to see the Little Mermaid. Can you guess why? I think that they probably don't want to go see it because it's like, because they understand as well as we do, like what happens when people insert social justice narratives into things. They, they ruin it, right? There's never, nobody ever does this to positive effect. Everybody understands it. Like, I got an idea. Let's make a Black Little Mermaid because that's, you know. It doesn't even make sense. It's like, you know, like, how would you get melanin under the sea? It's not the way this works, you know? And so they're like, yeah, but, you know, maybe <laughs> exactly. that, like, she was, like, cleaning, like, she was, like, cleaning houses upstate. Like, his her mom was, like, cleaning the fisherman's house, and, you know, something happened, so she went back into the ocean, she gave birth to her, and now, now she's, I don't know what the story is, you know? But they they don't care, right? They, like, suspend disbelief. We have to go and placate to these people who we think that are dumb enough to believe our ideas. And the people they think are dumb enough to believe their ideas are like, Oh, you think I'm an idiot? What's wrong with you? Um, You know, is that. And so, yeah, I don't think that, of course, it doesn't go over well. Yeah, it is very specific in the Global Times, which is the official Oh, you know what's happening? I get what's happening. Wait a second. I'm sorry, go ahead, talk again, Caller, I apologize. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I was... Specifically, what was they didn't like right. about it was the Black Mermaid. I'm finding Mr. out... Mermaid. Caller, oh. I'm, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I'm finding out that the audience doesn't have your audio, which is bizarre, because they should... Well, you can hear me, though. Yeah, so, like, the video audience doesn't have you. the The, the, the radio audience does, the podcast has you... The video audience doesn't have your audio, and so I have to let you go because I can't neglect them. I'm Thank you to uh, the person who let me know. But, yeah, so, like, The Little Mermaid was a disaster, which is exactly what you would expect to happen uh, because it deserves to fail, of course, you know. And so, um, good. The the Little Mermaid failed, and the only way that you're going to be able to do stuff like this in the future— And this won't stop them from doing, I mean, you know, this is not, you know, they're like, hey, can we, can we take your money? And they're like, no, they're like, all right, we'll do it anyway, we'll spend our own, whatever, we'll go, like, take it from you in interest or, you know, whatever taxes, and we'll spend it that way. If we can't make it profitable, we'll just lose money on it, whatever, fine. That's the way they do things, Right. They're like, let's sell them the stuff that kills them. And we're like, I don't want to buy it. And they're like, okay, we'll give it away for you. And we're like, no, I don't want it. And they're like, all right, we'll make it mandatory. That's you know, that's how they do these things. But at least, at least you're not going to voluntarily pay for this nonsense anymore. That's good for you. That's positive. That's a really positive development. They were like, hey, wait a second. If you want to shove this stuff down my kid's throat, you're going to have to put it in the public school and take it out of my paycheck. And we're like, all right, we can do that. And so... You know, what happened? Why, why didn't that work? Why didn't you have audio for call? I'm going to have to fix it. I'm going to troubleshoot it when I'm off the air. I'm not going to do it right now. Shut up. Stop doing this yourself. Oh, I do know what it is. Okay. I'm. Duh. Okay. All right. It's not that big of a problem. I figured it out. I figured it out. All right, I'm not going to tell you about this. It's interesting to me. It's much less interesting to you. So I'm not going to bug you. But I'll tell you what, if you want to listen to me talk shop, I'll tell you like all the stuff. Okay, you want like the inside track of what's going on. You want to know like all the little uh, details. You become a member, you come to the video chat thing. Okay, and then I'm like, hey, so here's what's going on with like the business. I will like give you like insights as to what I'm doing. I know you'd be like, this is boring. Shut up. Go read the news. And I'll go read the news. Unless somebody's like, no, wait a second. I was into that. Whatever. Like, you guys get whatever you want with me. It's amazing. It's really like, I just, you know, I'm not going to call myself, you know, a pejorative name for a a person who provides services in a desperate fashion or whatever. I'm just going to say, like, you know, I'll do whatever you want, more or less, if you pay me. And so... Do that. SerialPolitics.com slash join. If you want to give me more than $10 a month, nobody's going to stop you. SerialPolitics, uh, uh, give go.com slash uh, SPM, like SurrealPolitics Media. You give me all your cryptos, whatever. You get, You figure out how to do that. It's really easy to do. Like I'll take your money. Um, cash app, edgy Chris is my cash tag. Dollar sign, edgy Chris is like the, the cash tag thing. Um, and so I'll do all those things. You do all those things. You're going to have a lot of fun on the member chat, and then you'll probably have a good time Friday because I'm going to be back. to I do an uncensored show. It's not this. The Surreal Politics, we don't come back. The Surreal Politics podcast doesn't come back until Wednesday. I'm sorry, next Monday, I should say. Duh. Next Monday, I'm going to be back on the air as this character in this show, and so we'll be doing that, and there's lots of things that happen before then, which is why you're on my email list, and if you're not, why well, you're going to get there. So you go to, like, surrealpolitics.com slash newsletter. You might go to ChristopherCantwell.net, do the same thing. And uh, then you get my emails and then you take them out of the spam folder and you're like, hey, Google, stop putting it in a spam folder. You go tell Microsoft, you're like, hey, Microsoft, listen, I, uh, I appreciate that you guys are trying to prevent me from getting spammed, but you're a bunch of criminals. OK, like I signed up for this. Stop interfering with my communications. I did not I did not sign up for you to ruin my life. OK, I sign up. I want to know what it is. You do what I say. And then like, and then, and then they'll be like, look, if you don't like it, go get a ProtonMail account. And you'd be like, fine, well, I'll go do that. And I'll go over to rightwingsecurity.com and I'll read all about ProtonMail. What's that? Rightwingsecurity.com? What's rightwingsecurity.com? And I would tell you that rightwingsecurity.com is like, it's great. Like you go over to rightwingsecurity.com and when you go to rightwingsecurity.com, you'll find like articles that are written about keeping your, uh, your online security. Okay. And it's like securing the rights is the name. And it's like, are you securing my rights or are you securing the right wing of politics? We're like, well, you know, there's sort of a duality in the catchphrase. And it's very artistic if you think about it. But fundamentally what happens is you go over there and then like I tell you things to buy and then you click on ads and then I get paid. And that's really fundamentally the point because um, I'm not going to play the thing. You know, sometimes I do this other show. Where at the end of it, when I do all these like things when I'm like, oh wow, well, I've gone for two hours. And I totally forgot to advertise anything. I better cram it all in at the end. And I'm like, then I'm like, oh, I'll just I'll play the thing from the the Goodfellas movie. And he's like, F you pay me. And I have this thing where he doesn't say F you. He does like the whole thing. But I I'm I've already done the F thing once in a show and I gotta go find it. And I didn't even like mark down the hour that it happened. So I'm like, I'm totally lost. And so You know, the idea being that I'm going to play the outro music and you have yourselves a wonderful week, will ya? And we'll be back right after you. Sign up for everything and pay me and yada, yada, yada.